Hello, and welcome to Central Baptist Church Online Sunday School. My name is Bob Fife, and I'm happy to help provide an online lesson for this Sunday, May 8th, which is Mother's Day, and we celebrate our mothers. We thank you out there, all of our mothers, and we wish you a happy Mother's Day, and we, we acknowledge and celebrate those who function as mothers in our lives, who may not be biological mothers, but certainly are blessed by God with a mission to be mothers. So thank you all and happy Mother's Day. As you know, we're in our study of Job with our book, Praise Him in the Storm When Life Falls Apart. And we're in lesson number nine. <clears throat> Today we focus on Job's declaration, I know that my Redeemer lives. Today's lesson uh, focuses on a key change in the tone of our, of our story and a, certainly a, a, a change in Job's um, orientation and his um, spiritual walk, I'll just say. Um, the passage on a whole is one which shows a beginning of a significant turn in the story and this, through an evolution in Job's character, has yet some ways to go, some chapters to be fully fleshed out. In the scripture for today's lesson, we in chapter 19, Job once again summarizes some of his uh, deep anguish and his dire situation, his frustration, and uh, yet, and ultimately, he comes to a bottom line stand. And it's a stand which I think all of us will have to make sometime in our lives. Um, we are all gonna face our deepest, darkest moments, our deepest grief, and we're gonna need to make a decision. And today's lesson is about what Job decided. So let's pause for prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to join together virtually. We're grateful for those who have provided these lessons over the years of pandemic and continuing. We thank you for um, the scriptures, for this uh, book of Job that gives us such a rich story of, of suffering, perseverance, and faith. So be with us now as we and we study these uh, these words from your your book of Job. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just in a quick summary, um, we're about halfway through the book of Job uh, as far as scripture is concerned, but I would submit we're about two-thirds of the way through the story and the development of, uh, of Job's uh, spiritual walk with God. And today, uh, as we were referring to, were witness to a major turn in the story uh, of Job's uh, struggle with uh, the deepest, darkest challenges of his life and a stand which he makes. Um, the initial setup, as you know from our previous lessons, uh, unbeknownst to Job, is that this is a spiritual struggle a battle between God and Satan on a spiritual level, and 
we see that uh, like sometimes we find ourselves unable to understand, uh, Job is unable able to see and understand the full picture and yet we're privileged to know a little bit more uh, because the the story is is uh, is told to us and we can see many different sides whereas job had did not have that that privilege so <clears throat> job is dealing with uh, attacks from Satan um, and Satan, unable to attack God directly, of course, is going to attack God's children. And as he always does, and always, will always do, attack God's children in areas of their, or the deepest needs and in their weaknesses. And not only does he attempt to attack us directly to turn us against God, but he attacks us within our relationships to turn us against each other. And does that sound familiar? Have we seen any of that over the past few years? So his attacks weaken Job, loss upon loss and illness upon illness. And we've studied how Job's friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, Zophar initially come to comfort him but ultimately turn to uh, explaining Job's losses, pain, and grief by pointing out uh, Job's shortcomings and his sins, and even his wife joins in. By chapter 19, where we are today, Job is at the proverbial end of his rope. He is, he is utterly spent, used up physically, spiritually distraught, lonely, abandoned, as we heard in our lesson last week. So have you ever been there? Is it, uh, is it a place that you're familiar with? If you haven't, I would just warn, you're very likely to be there at some point in your life. Even our Lord Jesus found himself there in the Garden of Gethsemane the night he was betrayed. It is part of our human experience, the loss of loved ones, the loss of relationships, companionship, a feeling of abandonment by all of those around us, and even feeling abandoned by God. These are common experiences among uh, humans, and certainly being a Christ follower does not exempt us from that as we see that Jesus himself suffered some of this very um, deep, deep anxiety and loss and abandonment. I've been there more than once. And for me, it was a true crisis of faith. So let's pick up on our story in chapter 19, verses 20 through 27, and see how Job handles this lowest point in his life and what it teaches us as believers. And I'll read from our booklet. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. 
Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in a rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So, <clears throat> we find Job uh, at this low point, and we see that he's having a flash of faith. Until now, Job has been interacting mostly with those around him, that he's uh, listening to their take on things, uh, noticing, uh, noting his circumstances and and rehashing them, uh, that he is uh, complaining and obviously has a lot to complain about. And he even comes to where he blames God. As we saw last week, he is desperately lonely. He feels abandoned. He turned to his friends for mercy, but found none. He maintains his innocence but they just say he's a hypocrite. So as we said, he's totally exhausted, he's spent, but Job comes to a decision point, a fork in the road. He knows this is an important moment because he states that he wants this, these words to be recorded in writing for future sufferers like you and me he says, oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead. Sounds like a printing press, doesn't it? That he wanted these to be remain to remain for posterity. So Job knows that he's that what he's about to say is extremely important, and he wants it recorded for history. In the next words, Job has a flash of brilliant and clear faith, a gift of grace. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. This is a turning point for Job. From focusing on his circumstances, his suffering, his pain, his grief, his loss, to focusing on God. I think there's a lesson in there for us. He's making a conscious, determined statement of faith in his Creator, his Redeemer. And this is his Redeemer would be victorious, and that regardless of Job's condition or destruction of his fleshly body. He says, yet in my flesh, I will see God. And this is the very point I submit 
we each must come in our times of crisis and earthly suffering, we must come to a decision of faith. I mentioned my own walk through times of deep loss and grief, even to the point of questioning God's goodness and God's plan in my life. While struggling with these deep um, discussions a few years back, a brother in Christ visiting with me gently pointed out, Bob, it comes down to, do you believe or do you not? Do you trust God or don't you? It's that simple. Well, at the time, it didn't seem that simple, but I would recommend that ultimately it is a decision of our faith. And Job teaches us all a lesson here. We must turn our focus away from our problems, our circumstances, our pain and suffering, and bring it all to the Lord in faith. Turning our focus to Him as our Redeemer. So let's look more closely for a few minutes at the concept of Redeemer, especially in the concept in Jewish law and Jewish um, tradition when this was written and, and later. The concept of kinsman redeemer is a very well-established Old Testament ancient Jewish law. The best example is in the book of Ruth, as you probably remember, the, study, uh, the story of Naomi and Ruth appealing to their kinsman redeemer, Boaz. The word used in both instances, in Ruth and in Job, is the word goel, G-O-E-L, goel. And it refers to the kinsman redeemer. From a commentary, uh, Lawson writes, a redeemer was a vindicator of one unjustly wronged. He was a defender of the oppressed, a champion of the suffering, an advocate of one unjustly accused. If you were ever wronged, a Redeemer would come and stand beside you as your champion and your advocate. Another commentator, Morgan, uh, on commenting on these verses in Job, he says, when Job amid the desolation declared that he had a goal, G-O-E-L, living in and active, he was uttering a profound truth, the truth that in God, man has a redeemer in all the fullest senses of the great word. It was a spiritual apprehension of an abiding fact, which fact came into clear shining when God was manifest in flesh, referring to Christ. So, Charles Spurgeon takes it a bit farther in developing the concept of Christ as our Redeemer, kins uh, kinsman Redeemer. Christ's kinship with his people is to be thought of with great comfort because it is voluntary, whereas 
the kinsman redeemer in Jewish law was a kinsman, was a part of the family that would come into the situation and help pay or through influence, um, help redeem the situation. But our Lord Jesus Christ's relationship to us is no accident of birth, Spurgeon says. It was voluntarily assumed by him. Praise the Lord. Charles Spurgeon goes on and he says, Remember, too, that it was always considered to be the duty of the goal, G-O-E-L, goal, to not merely to uh, not merely redeem by price, but where that failed, to redeem by power. There are two redemptions, redemption by price and redemption by power. And both of these Christ has wrought for us. By price he has sacrificed upon the cross of Calvary, and by power by his divine spirit coming into our heart and renewing our soul. What a gift. What a gift we have been given by our Lord Jesus to be our kinsman redeemer in the voluntary way in which he went to the cross and suffered and died and was resurrected and that we live in a post-cross world. Job goes on to say, For I know it was a certainty in his heart. And we must come to that certainty in spite of all the suffering and pain that we may be experiencing. That is critical. So I mentioned that in my own walk that we have to make those decisions and I think ultimately we all must come to that decision. And knowing the story here of uh, the kinsman redeemer and relating that to our Lord Jesus that we're so blessed that we can have the assurance of our redeemer Jesus Christ who listens to our pleas and our suffering, who is acquainted with grief, who by his life and death and resurrection redeems us by paying the price and through his Holy Spirit gives us power to overcome. He is our kinsman redeemer, as Paul also pointed out in 2 Timothy 1.12, which reflects in many ways, Job's declaration. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Praise God that we have our Lord Jesus Christ as our kinsman redeemer and that we can say, I know in whom I have believed and he will live upon the earth and I am redeemed. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for these few moments to study your word and to receive uh, a word from you. We pray that you will bless it. Be with us now as we all go through our daily lives. When we have times of suffering and pain and loss, that we can remember that you too went through those periods and you are acquainted with our grief, that we can bring that to you. Grateful, Father, for your love and your grace in our lives. Thank you, Father, for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for your time.